Good morning, saints. Did that get everyone? Good morning, sinners. <laughs> Whenever I say good morning, saints, it, it's like people don't want to claim that. Good morning, saints. You have a choice to be sinners or saints that used to be sinners saved by grace. That's the choice. So the next someone, someone greets you as a saint, say amen. (laughs) Claim it. It's a good thing. I think. (laughs) Ah, it's so good to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Emily, for that prayer. Um, someone must have been praying because I've already had the opposition that I was supposed to have today. I was convinced by the time I got here that someone, I don't know who you are, but someone, this word is for you because Satan was determined that I wouldn't get here this morning. I packed up. I thought I'm pretty organized. I was an engineer by profession. I understand lists and how to get things together and uh, organized myself and packed a little bag so I could carry my shoes and have my sermon and my little word, you know, from God. Knew I had to buy tokens. Yes, I do love the subway. I do. I love the subway. Shoot me. I love the subway. So I knew I needed tokens. And so I went to the bank so I could get my money and get the tokens. I have not one piece of ID. I have not one credit card. I have not one debit card. I have zero. So, oh, Lord, this is not good. But I'm glad. I bank at the same place all the time. They said, oh, Reverend Anna, we'll help you. Gave me a little money, got to the subway. Then I forgot what bus I was supposed to take. So (laughs) God is good. I'm here. And I understand that the people here, uh, God is leading you to build and to rebuild um, in ministry and the church. And so the word is about rebuilding and how to pray in that time. So listen first for the word of the Lord. Nehemiah chapter four, verses one through nine. Now, when Sabalit heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he mocked the Jews. He said in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore things? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish it in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside him, and he said, That wall they are building, any fox going up on it will break it down. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn their taunt back on their own heads. And give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt and do not let their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have hurled insults in the face of the builders. So when we rebuilt the wall and all the wall was joined together to half its heights. For the people have a mind to work. But when Salabat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and the gaps were beginning to be closed, they were very angry and all plotted to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. So we prayed to our God. And set a guard 
as protection against them day and night. Thank you for the word. For a moment, pray with me on the subject prayer work. Prayer work. A good church lady is quoted as saying, prayer is not a substitute for action. It is an action for which there is no substitute. So as faithful servants of God, we pray. And when we pray, God gives us vision. The vision has clarity and detail. We know how large. We know the materials to be used. We know the color schemes. We Know the size of the chairs in the room, where the table should go. God has given us even the smallest detail. And we are excited about the task, about the responsibility, and we're ready to begin. But don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted, as the young people would say. The joy that you and I experience when we finish the task has nothing to do with the constant opposition that we will come across during and before the task is completed. Any servant of God engaged in the work of building or rebuilding experiences moments, many moments of opposition. The opposition could affect the work, but just like Nehemiah, and the people of God, if the work is surrounded in prayer and buried in our hearts, no matter the test, the work will go on. Nehemiah has been given an assignment to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. God granted this request out of Nehemiah's deep love and concern for the people of God and the temple of God. God doesn't give this kind of assignment to everyone. The record declares that Nehemiah mourned and fasted and prayed before the Lord. Before the work could begin, my brothers and sisters, Nehemiah had to admit his unrighteousness and his sinful nature. He had to then submit himself completely to the will and sovereignty of God and to the king authority over him. You see, my brothers and sisters, God really does know that there's going to be punishment if we build the church. God knows the difficulty and the personal suffering of the task, and therefore God is also unwilling to submit just anyone to that kind of humiliation and self-sacrifice that that kind of building is going to include. So before you get all excited, before you get your knickers and your panties individually and collectively in a knot, you need to be sure that you all know what's in store and have done your prayer work. As the cupbuilder of the Persian king, Nehemiah trusted God completely and would not be intimidated by anyone. Now, just look, if your job, if my job was to taste wine every day that could be poisoned, we wouldn't be intimidated by anyone either because we will have learned that every day could be our last. 
Because it could be. (laughs) Nehemiah trusted God. God had selected, therefore, a good person to do this task. Because right from the beginning, Nehemiah had opposition. And the opposition was probably politically and economically motivated. I wonder if anyone here as servants of God uh, in the gospel ever worry about our political or economic territories. When prosperity comes into our lives, in the lives of our colleagues, are we supportive? Are we encouraging? Often that our own prosperity accompanies persons who assign themselves as the personal naysayers. Those persons who say it cannot be done, it should not be done, there's not enough money, there's not enough time. They have nothing good to say about what God has placed in our lives. What? What makes him think he could do that? Can she afford to do that on her salary? I could have done it too if uh, I kissed up to the boss the way he had. I know no one here has ever suffered that fate of being the naysayer, the hater in the room the doubting Thomas. I know already this is a seminary and no one here has ever succumbed to that faith. But Nehemiah was not so fortunate. He had not one but two haters. Salabat was not even an outsider. He was born in Beth Haran, a little town up the way from Jerusalem, a no-consequence place. He had two sons and their name, Delilah and Shalmilah, suggests that he even worshipped Yahweh. Isn't it funny how people like Salabat the Horonite come from the humblest beginnings, struggle through the same system as we do, and then they have the nerve to believe that they're better than we are. And somehow they have miraculously pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps. I hate that term. Even though Salabat owes his position to the same Persian king. He is has in no way in position to be hurling insults at Nehemiah as if their struggle was not the same. Salabat's words and his name even means enemy in secret. His words were intended to demoralize and undermine trust in both the abilities of the people and the readiness of their leader. So that means that our primary opposition to most of the work that we're given to do are by people working in secret. But our secret enemies, they fail to realize and recognize that we're all made in the image and likeness of God, that we're all bound together by the same covenant promises of God, that we're all called according to the purposes and plan of a gracious, compassionate, loving, understanding, forgiving, long-suffering, and generous God. We have all been washed 
in the blood of the lamb. And we are all looking forward to the imminent and swift return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yet here we are. We find ourselves with this opposition and we have enemies in secret. We're angry. We're frustrated. We're undeserving of this treatment we have received. And we continue to experience from persons and places that we least expected. Just like the people of Jerusalem, we have been down so long that we doubt our strength. We doubt our focus. We doubt our abilities to complete the task that God has given. What do we do? Well, Nehemiah took all his anger and his frustration to God in prayer. Nehemiah asked God to cause suffering and angst for his memories. It was for his enemies. I realized that uh, all of us are died in the wool, filled with the Holy Ghost, free grace of Christians in this room, and that we believe that praying for bad things to happen to our enemies is out of order. Maybe, just maybe, to cry out to God out of our anger and our frustration is the better course. We, my brothers and sisters, must pray with intensity and passion and honesty. In prayer, we need to speak whatever truth is in us, our pain and our grief, our fear and our disappointment, our yearning, our desires, our questions and doubts, our hope and our faith, our failure and weakness, praise and thanks, despair and sorrow, anger and yes, even hatred. (laughs) God can handle our pain. God can handle our anger. God is not afraid of our threats. God understands that at the moment of our greatest pain, it is better to talk to God than to fight with our enemies. One writer said this, prayers of vengeance are words and such words are after all in themselves, not destructive. Nothing is noble or good about anger and the desire for vengeance, but we might do worse, perhaps, than putting such feelings into God's care. My brothers and sisters, keeping our true feelings hidden from God, now that would be the real sin. Feelings that steeping and frustrating can turn into an uncontrollable cancer and eventually engulf us and rob us of our peace. Our God given peace. I invite us to recognize that when we're given work from God, that we ask God to seal it in our hearts. Because when our hearts and mind are one, we are the Lord's. It is when the work is in our hearts that no one can pluck it out. It is when the work is prayer work for those closest to us and cause us the greatest pain that we can survive. It is when the work is prayer work that opposition can be endured. As the enemies come in secret, And our energy and our patience are running low. We can look to the God of our salvation, Jesus, who got a divine assignment from God. 
and traveled through 40 and two generations, starting out sleeping in a place for farm animals, had to run to Egypt with the haters hot on his trail, walk the sad and desolate streets of Judea, preaching repentance and giving only love gathered the stones for building from the burned out lives of men, women, and children along the way, and then stopped in a garden to pray a frustrated builder's prayer and finally took the shovel of grace in one hand and the sword of truth in the other and climbed the top of that wall, stretched out the arms of God to nails that would construct our salvation. And like the people of God, the construction was successful and good because Jesus had first done his prayer work.